I'ma say what I feel And I promise to keep it real Welcome to the Red Room Well, you gotta be a rider Till your fears are diminishing The doubts are behind ya It's hard to grind And the business got me stressed In the rent room We let that shit up off our chest You know the street nerds Got no time for no caca Sass in class Yes, that's Mr. Bolakaja Never have to guess When you're listening to Hilliard He gon' bring more game Than a shark playing billiards It's all about the crap of screenwriting It's exciting when you turn an outline Into something enlightening Your pen and words Are like bullets in a gun Write what you feel Say what you want Welcome to the Rant Room. What's up, y'all? It's your boy, Hilliard Guest, and you guys are listening to the Screenwriters Rant Room, where we keep it real, we keep it opinionated, we keep it what, Chris, and everybody else? Wakanda, Wakanda forever. forever. Yeah. On this show, we discuss entertainment, TV, film, music, culture, but our focus is always screenwriting, stories, craft, and shit like that. Little disclaimer, Lisa Bolakaja is out today, but she will be back again. She is incredible. <laughs> we got my man sitting in, Chris Derrick in the house, writer, director, producer himself. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Chris's intros are the best. We call him L. Redvine himself. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have Twizzlers. Nobody, no Twizzlers. A Twizzlers forever, people. That's an East Coast thing. Forget Wakanda forever. <laughs> Twizzlers forever. Ew. <laughs> And then we got our uncle Paul in the house, Paul Gio, everybody, writer, producer himself, Hello. the OG, yeah, from way back. Good to be back from the Himalayas. Yeah, <laughs> Paul Gio, y'all, what's up? What's up, Paul? How are you, man? I'm I'm very happy to be here again. Yeah, man, it's, it's good to hear you. Good to see you. Glad glad to see you. You know things are going good for you. You in good spirits. Mm-hmm. I love looking at your Instagram, seeing the kids doing good. You know, everything's good. <clears throat> yeah. It's good, and it's good to be back in the city of Lost Angels. I, uh, <laughs> I get, I spend so much time in St. Louis, and there's certainly many positives to it. But the one, the biggest negative for me is creatively, I don't have any other writers around. I don't have any other artists around right. to talk to. And you know, we we need that. We need we, it. we need it. Need it. And so I, I love when I get to come back here and and hang out with you all and and just. You just need that, man. It's a shot in the arm. And that's funny you say that. That, that reminds me because you think a lot of film writers, feature writers, are more to themselves. A lot of them write at home. You know what I mean? And you can tell when you're at the, at the guild, like they're in the corner, like a little distant or whatever, but all the TV writers are like, hey, and yeah. blah, blah, blah. So I get that you, especially coming from TV and you do both, that you would have that, that mindset of like, oh, it feels weird. Like I can't even chat with my dudes and my girls or whoever it is. Because I'm there. Yeah, you know and every I mean? and it's funny you say that because every feature writer that has that has gone into television or done some TV, and I'm I'm talking about Koppelman and right. Levine and right. Mason and <clears throat> and even uh, Billy Ray who did the Amazon thing. They all talk about. Oh my God, this is amazing! Right. Like they love right. when they like. like oh really my God, shit there's other writers exactly, around. Yeah. I'm not, you know, in an igloo somewhere exactly. like typing. <laughs> yeah, I mean the thing about writing features is, from my experience, is that. You only get to, like, you interact with people about the project, but it's not about the creativity about the project. Hmm. So it's a different thing. You know, you might talk to the executive. Explain that, explain that. Well, you know, because it's like, you can't talk to other non-writers about, sort of, about the problems you're having with the script. Right. They just don't get it. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, you're a writer. Can't you just put the words on the page? Yes, <laughs> right. I can type. Don't the actors just say all and that? Because you think that's what, and because you think that's what writing is, just typing. Right. You don't know. And mm-hmm. it's just this, you know, so, you know, your agent may say something, the, the executives are going to say something, and you can't even admit, you, 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 can't, you can't admit your anxiety to the executive. Oh God no! I just can't forget a scene out, dude. I nope. no call you, but has, I, hey, how, <clears throat> how's the draft going? Oh, it's going well, man. It's going real mm-hmm. well. I'm, I'm, there'll be pages in two days. Don't worry. <laughs> exactly. Because they don't want to. Because if you because because then they lose confidence that you know how to deliver. Because they don't understand that it's like I don't. I mean, it's there, but it's not. Right. You know, we talking about the, we talking about that yeah. on Twitter. It's like like you know when it's when it's like the worst thing is when you know. It's not where you envision it, and you can see where it's, I'm not there yet, and mm-hmm. and that's like and and, and I, I don't know how to get to the next cliff outcrop, but I but, right. but I can I have to get there because mm-hmm. I can't turn it in without one. But but how do I get? That's the tough part. That's my biggest thing is talking, and it, and it's it's not even necessarily always just like oh I wish I had somebody to talk to about my Act Two problem or something, right. but just talking to to writers and artists. There's, it's just a different soul. It's mm-hmm. a different mindset. It's a different, you know, there, I can talk about a problem I'm having with my kids that I think a writer is going to understand more than somebody who's not. You know, I just, I... Well, we study human behavior a lot. That's it. So sure. That's it. You know, that's my, my, my all-time, you know, I'm a huge quote guy. My all-time yeah. favorite quote on writing from Tony Gilroy, my big screenwriting yeah. hero. Yes who said the, the level of your writing is absolutely capped at your level of human understanding. You know, God. you will never write above what you know about people. Bars. Damn. Yeah. Is it, that's, you're, you're, that's the end of the podcast right there. That's it. Thank you. <laughs> Hi, people. I'm Thanks on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah. Turn it off. Turn it off. So, it is, but that's it. You know, yeah. it's just like I love... I love writers and even other like my my girlfriend this mm-hmm. amazing woman in my life now she's an artist she paints okay. mm. she's the first person in my whole life that understands what I do she she's in Arizona oh, oh. yeah it's crazy oh three God. way long distance thing <laughs> yeah she's in Tucson Arizona wow. so when I come out here I always make a stop there okay. and going back and then she comes out here sometimes if I get lucky <laughs> so but but she she gets it, you know, because she understands the struggle. The struggle, right. struggle. Right. And, and it's like, yes, I know we're not putting out fires. I know we're not building, you know, wells in Africa. I know we're just making shit up. Mm-hmm. But it's really hard to do. But it's funny you say that. I was just telling my husband the other day. I was telling you, Chris, too. We were driving. I said, Chris, we have... One of the hardest jobs in the world oh, yeah. to do. Remember, yeah, yeah, yeah. we yeah. do. It doesn't seem like it to the outside world. Right. To the outside of the world, they see the glamour of what we do. And now writers are superstars. Now some of us, right? So they see the glamour. They don't see the everyday hard work that it takes right. to work that craft. And to me, I think it's more than ten thousand hours. You know, before you really get to that place where you are Billy Ray and all those other cats. You know, where it's just. Everything you touch turns to gold. Well, the thing you know? about it is, uh, I agree with you on all those points. The thing about it is, is this: we all know when a story is told bad, right? And and to Paul's point about we're not putting out fires and stuff like that. 
But see, but stories exist everywhere because there was, I, I want to say there was like Carl Jung or maybe it was like, um, who's the, the man of a thousand faces? Uh, Joseph Campbell was saying, we use stories and myths to help us understand our real world. Hmm. And that, I mean, and that's kind of, I mean, when, when everyone says, hey, this character, I can't relate to him or blah, 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 it's because you have to be able to like, read the story or watch the movie or watch the television show and be able to see like yourself in it and then be able to see a problem that they're struggling through that relates to something that 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 works for you so then that that you recognize that you're not alone Mm -hmm. with something that you're dealing with that's the main point of like these stories we tell and that's and that's like this psychic healing that we need that um I, I mean, I I I think people like p- people forget that, you know, and and it's sad in this country that it's all predicated on, well, like, what's the monetary value of that, right. you know? And there's, there's no monetary value. Right. I mean, that's why I can all those European countries and stuff like that they have all, you know, I mean, they used to have it here, but but, but Reagan killed it all. Is to give you got to give money to artists. You got to give them this financial backing that the state gives them because they know how important it is for the rest of everyone in, in the culture mm. to be able to experience art. I mean, you know, when I was in discussion with my brother the other night, we were talking about, you know, like just some issues we have with some, with the kids growing up today. I was like, well, you know what it is because there's no music in the school anymore. It's like this. Right. I mean, and, well, and the arts, yeah, the arts is, is gone. gone yeah. And it's like, and that's why you know, and 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 school is all designed to teach you to pass a test at the school. The state wants you to pass it, blah yeah. blah blah. And it's like, and, and it's like, and then you're asking those people to uh, to evaluate what you're doing artistically, but they don't have the 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 they're not familiar enough with what it, the foundational elements of life like music I remember when I was in school we would go we had, in elementary school we would have this this music class you go to and be, and there'd be someone there like he's playing you the cello and saying mm-hmm. here's how the notes work and blah 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 yeah. and, here's how the, and you kind of understand how that works mm-hmm. and everyone knows that arts like that kind of like, like music education expands the way you think well that, that so, reminds me <clears throat> we have this discussion every year when I'm just going to say it, when the NAACP Image Awards are out. Because they, we've been arguing with them, what, six years maybe at least? Yeah. That's about, why I don't at the them. Writers Guild that, that they don't air the writers live. Like, we keep trying to tell them when Lena won for Masters of None, we were like, you could have had that same moment. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? With with it at the Emmys or at the, at the yep. NAACP. You could have had that big moment where you guys were on every fucking channel. You know what I mean? But still, you guys won't give us that credit. So what I'm saying is what they don't realize is all these movies are done starting with this thing. If kids don't know that there's a black face writing it, how do they know it exists at all? To them, it's just something up on the screen. They didn't realize the person who wrote it, for example, looked like them. You know what I mean? And that's that's been our argument for years. And for some reason, they're just stuck and we, all they want to do is have the movie stars show up, and they don't care. They don't the performance, the step and fetchness <clears throat> of ridiculous. it all. I mean, because to me, it's like you know, in the, in the black culture, particularly in the South Caribbean area, you know, there's that guy. That, there's the griot right. who comes to tell the story. Right. Well, that's what that, that and that's us. We're the ones who tell the story. We're the griot 
who's, who's yeah. taking the stuff that's going on in our culture. Mm-hmm. No matter, you know, the whole culture is going, here's the story. And, I, and, the, and the griot is <clears throat> telling you the story in a way that is keeping you engaged. Mm-hmm. That's what we do. Right. But I don't think that, that, that the NAACP sees it that way. Right. Oh, the other thing that's so important about what you just said, Hill, is, you know, and I've been shouting this for years, is... To the rooftop. And to the rooftop. <laughs> that in Hollywood, the writer is the only entity, when you're talking about a movie or a TV series, mm-hmm. the only entity that creates from nothing. Right. Everyone else interprets what the writer right. created. The director, the actors, the costume designer, the, everyone interprets... Right. And they might bring their own creative shit yeah, to yeah, it sure. and everything, but the writer is the only one. Right. It all starts with the writer making shit up right. and, and coming up with something. And that's why it's so critical mm-hmm. to, to showcase what you're talking about, mm-hmm. you know? And I, and I think I've always wondered if the reason that, that writing in general, not just in town, but even, you know, in the non-Hollywood people, like where I, I live a lot and stuff, mm-hmm. Have, don't have this respect for writers that they have for directors or actors and stuff, is I, I wonder if it's because growing up, every single person wrote at some point. We, did a, we had to write a paper for school. Mm-hmm. So, oh, that's writing. Whereas you go your whole life and never come close to directing or acting right. or designing yeah. costumes. Exactly. You know? exactly but it's like it writing, oh, I wrote a thing in fourth grade. Exactly. I'm a writer. Exactly. No, you yeah. didn't. It's like, yeah. And I just <laughs> wonder, I don't have, I've never, you know, I just wonder no, if that has sense. something to do with it. It makes sense. No, th- no that is, a, is, a, is an argument <clears throat> and a theory that, I've, that I totally believe. That people... It's like you know, this is great. This is a great Billy Wilder quote. He, he was like talking about someone who he didn't like, who won, who beat him in, a, in awards. He was like, "He's not a writer. He's a typist." <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "That's, that's a great. T-shirt." Yeah, that's that funny. Is. Yeah, that's funny. Uh, oh yeah, a, now <clears throat> a writer seen that, but another another screenwriter seen that, another screenwriter. That's a real dog. That's that's a that real is, dog. Man, like, that's the typist. Damn. Damn. Because you're not doing anything that's, that's worse than a hack. I know. Yeah. You can't cut much deeper than that. <laughs> yeah. He's not doing anything important. He's just like That's the writer's N-word, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. So let's talk today. So all of us are writing, have written, and continue to write historic and biopics mm-hmm. from the past. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about elements that you guys think we need in those pictures and those types of films, TV and film, why you think they work, um, how we can help other writers uh, uh, write things. I have just like, I mean, they just, I get a bunch of shit in my head of things I think we could do. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so let's talk about like elements of, of why you think historic films continue to work. The reason is you, all of us have been to our agents and we all have a script from the past and they all go, and you're going through it right now, and I am too. This is, this is the most amazing thing I've read. But nobody's interested in historic shit. Right. And then every fucking year, here comes two or three big ones at the fucking Oscars that's historic. The, the, every the fucking year. The thing that shit on me the <clears throat> most was this Fincher thing. That's right. just not, you hear this? See this? Okay, What's so that? Fincher's dad wrote a story oh, about right. Herman Mankin was co-writer of Citizen Kane. Right. And it's Fincher's next project. He ain't done a movie in five years. And here's his next project, and it's all about Mankiewicz, not just about Citizen King, but his, his career in Hollywood. He's doing it for Netflix, doing it in black and white, and I was like, fuck, like that's how I would want to do my Is it because movie. of the documentary that came out? You think that 
probably spawned it? No, I mean, I think, I, I think the, <clears throat> I, I, possibly, possibly. Because it was about that guy, wasn't it? A lot of it? No, 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 no. Okay. The, doc, there was the one documentary one. was all about Orson Welles and his last film. And, and I the, thought one was about that guy who was with him all the time. But well, okay, forgive me. But Go later ahead. in his life, this is like, like so. So so. What Wells had to do when he was doing is that he, you know, he got this unprecedented deal mm-hmm. to come and write, direct, and star, and and in these produce these movies in Hollywood. Right. And he was really close to doing <clears throat> an adaptation of Hearts of Darkness, and that he could never get it licked with the, you know, because he you know catch it on location. So he had to quickly do. Citizen Kane, mm-hmm. and and also for part of his like ability to kind of like assuage people, thinking, well, so what do you know as this twenty three year old writing scripts? He brought in Herman Wankiewicz, who was an established screenwriter. He worked on uh, Wizard of Oz and a right. bunch of these movies and it, it's all this stuff. So he was like a so he kind of gave Wells a certain level of like legitimacy okay. in the eyes of a lot of people. <clears throat> and so and Fincher's script is about this guy's life. I mean the whole thing like like. You know, this guy Mankiewicz was was deep, deep in with Randolph Hearst. That's mm-hmm. why the whole thing about Rosebud, but that he knew that was right. his nickname for his girlfriend's vagina and everything like that was <laughs> was. <laughs> He's like, really? Oh, did you not know that? Huh? That's hilarious. <laughs> did you not know that? I was story? like, I'm gonna have to watch shit? Citizen Kane again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but 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 see, that's something that Mankiewicz knew because he was really good friends with with Marion Davies. It was okay. so 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 he was he was he was like a big guy in the Hollywood thing, and it was. Is you know, but he was an alcoholic and mm-hmm. had these problems, and his younger brother was a little more talented than him. And then you know, he just got eclipsed and, and tragic life at the end. And I was like, Fincher's doing this movie, fuck, mm. fuck, fuck. But it's like you know, dope story probably. And and then also this maybe sh- it opened up the door for yours. I know, I'm excited about it. I mean, it opened. And then there's a movie that I saw the trailer of that it's interesting to see because I haven't seen her in a movie in so long. Um, Renee Zellweger, mm-hmm. you know, she had the plastic surgery done. It didn't turn out exactly yeah. right, and then you haven't really seen her that much. But she's there's a movie coming out in September called Judy, mm. where she plays Judy Garland. What? The, yeah, and it's just this this older. Mm. There's a moment in like like in the late fifties, early sixties, where Judy Garland was like you know, late fifties, where they're basically wow. like, um, mm. and, and it's just about this time where she did she did a week of shows in London. Oh, that's right. She could sing too. She, oh, yeah. But I don't know if she could sing like Judy, but mm-hmm. she could sing. She could sing because she fucking sang her ass off in the in the Chicago. Right, but you know, Judy, well, Judy okay. Garland. Okay, Judy okay, Garland. okay. Uh, but, okay, that no, vibrato. No, no, nobody yeah, got that. Yeah, vibrato. but you got to realize though, <laughs> right. this is the time when Judy was alcoholic and broken okay. down, and so and she didn't. She didn't. She, okay. she didn't have to sing that. Right. That you know the same. Right. She's not doing twenty five year old. Right. Yeah, she's like you know, and this whole you know, a great the great line in the trailer I saw was that she was like. I have to go to London to keep my children, but you're telling me that, you know, but you're telling me that I, I can't keep my children because I don't, this whole thing where she's battling between like, I can't keep my children if I take the job, but if I take the job, then I can't keep my children. Oh, interesting. You know, and I was like, Catch oh, that's, this, this, yeah, this is yeah. awesome. And just like, okay, that's a story that, it's just, a, you know, it's just like a week of her life. Mm. And I was like, but it looked amazing, you mm. know? Okay. And I was like, okay, this is a cool story. That I no, she's see. got the good, so I'm yeah. not surprised. It's funny she had to go to London. I mean, like she does a lot of stuff in London, so that's interesting. Hmm. Uh, yeah. She can nail that accent too. So I, I know, I know. Yeah. Okay, interesting. So here's what I was thinking. So I was thinking about let's start with bio projects, like based on like a real character. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> because the reason why I think we can start there is because of this. Most writers, when they start, start off with 
write what you know, right? Which I think is a false pretense. Mm -hmm. When we say write what you know, we don't mean, here's what they do. Well, I moved to L.A., and now I want to be a writer. Someone will write a story about a person wanting to be a writer, want to be an actor, want to be a dancer, whatever. But they always go there. I'm like, no, bitch, not that one. I've seen 42nd Street. Exactly. I, I don't need no, 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 no. We don't want to know about you wanting to be a writer, wanting to be a director, wanting to be an actor. We want to know about where were you when you were like 12 years old? What was, what was it like growing up in Philadelphia in the, the 70s? You know what I mean? What was it like growing up with an alcoholic father? What was it like, you know what I mean? What was it like that was different in your life that makes for a movie. What was the interesting character in your neighborhood that if you wrote a movie about them, it would be fascinating? Yeah, well, you know what I mean? The tough thing about that you, is... Do you get where I'm going, Paul? Is that, yeah. Is that <clears throat> most people don't see their life as interesting because right. they've lived that life. Right. And, it's, and, and you know, in the, in this, the, this, in the, in the minutia of the, of the day-to-day life, even if your mom is like a crackhead and doing shit, <clears throat> at a certain point, that just becomes like, oh, that's just what it is. But the outside people are like, what? Your mom was like selling crack and stabbing people in the throat because it's like, oh shit. But that's the issue with with writing what you know. It's hard hard to... No, here's what I think the problem is. I'll let you speak in a moment, Paul. Here's what I think the problem. The problem is people write what they know, but they don't put the layer of the truth in it. They're not transparent. Right. So everything in right. it is perfect. Right. Everybody's good. Everybody's nice. They're either really bad or there's no gray in the middle. You know what I mean? They never, especially if it's based on them, that person is just like the best person in the world. Yeah. Right? And the rest like, of the no, family is no, no, a bunch no. of fuck ups. There's oh, no levels. Hell no. Hell no. No. You were fucking up yeah. too. You know you were. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Go ahead, Paul. Go ahead. <clears throat> no, I, I'm, I have a little different opinion. Go ahead, go ahead. I, I'm, a, um, I'm actually a huge advocate and believer in write what you know because I feel that it's the most misunderstood thing. And that's in, exactly in what I'm saying. That exactly what I'm saying. I, I don't think it's necessarily, I don't think write what you know means, you know, about how you grew up or where you were or anything. I think write what you know means write, if you know heartache, if mm-hmm. you know, if you know pain of a parent that didn't give a shit about mm-hmm. you, you can write that, you know, I'm I'm middle class white guy and I believe um, if I needed to write a story about an inner city crack mom and her kid, I could get there because I don't know anything about that world, but I know what it feels like to have a mom that doesn't give a shit about you and a mom who, who is addicted to something and a mom who is a narcissist and a sociopath. That's exactly that's, what I'm saying. That's, that's, but you're being right. transparent. Yeah. That's exactly yeah. what I just it, didn't not, phrase it right. Right. So it. that's, that's <clears throat> to me, I, like, I, I believe it, but that so many people think to write what you know means like, well, I worked in a bank for two years, right. so that's, right. and for it's being not literal, it at all. Being right. right. And it's like, but there's, there's other things that I don't know mm-hmm. that I, I wouldn't try to write. Um, but from my personal experience, you know, how I grew up, who mm-hmm. I'm, am as a as a human being what's informed me is the stuff that just inherently comes into everything i write Mm -hmm. you know and like my historical piece yeah is really about you know triumph and and dignity and honor Mm -hmm. and and fathers and sons and and that that was my way into that right. other other than, you know, oh, here's the stuff that happened, mm-hmm. you know, in that story. 
and 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 I always tend to go toward. I talk about this a lot on the show toward underdog stories <clears throat> because I was the guy. In my you head. are you know the I mean? epitome of underdog, the epitome, man. You know, the yeah. black guy, the gay guy, the growing up in the hood. Absolutely. I mean, you know, all those Absolutely. different elements. And I survived it. You yep. know what I mean? I came out when I was 17 years old or something like that. You know what I mean? So it's, it's, it's surviving that history, being the guy riding around in my little 60 suits on my scooters and shit. I was a black Pee Herman in my neighborhood. You know, yeah. in one of the worst neighborhoods in the entire world, number three in the world. You know what I mean? So I had to be a tough motherfucker. You know, so the things that I see that I draw on still make me focused on that. So everything that I do still today, I go, well, who's the underdog? Right. You know, who's the person that I can speak to that I could put my voice? Yeah. Like you said, I can speak to somebody whose mother was a certain way. I could speak to that person who's the underdog. Right. You know yeah. I mean? You so, could write something that takes place in, in you know, upper class, white, suburban easily, Midwest, because easily. if there's an underdog in it, if there's somebody that is overcoming odds and right. triumphing and, and finding inner strength and, right. and that you can write shit out of that. Right. Well, I mean, look, that, I mean, it's, it's, you know, watching Vertigo the other night, I was thinking, yeah, like, people are preoccupied with mm-hmm. certain shit, and that speaks to them, and they're preoccupied because it speaks <clears> to them, <throat> and artists figure out ways to, like, explore it through their art. Right. And, I mean, that's one of the reasons why I was telling Shane, I was watching, I was like, you know, I, 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 when I saw Vertigo first time, I hated it. Mm-hmm. I didn't understand. I didn't understand the movie. I didn't understand what this movie is supposed to do. Mm-hmm. What is it saying? Like what is saying? It's, you can watch Rear Window and understand what that movie is easy, yeah. but you don't get it with Vertigo. So I hated it. When I first saw it, and then <laughs> I was like, I, you know, but I, I, but you know, again, I was like, you know what? I can, uh, I can be wrong. I'm gonna watch it again. And I did. And I was like, oh, I get what he's doing. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, you find these things about what you are interested in or that are that mean much to you that inform your work that show the, that show the truth mm-hmm. because like <clears throat> my thing with my Wells thing I wrote the script and I was like oh this is cool because I knew the story and right. how I found it was this whole you know, how you figured the story and stuff like that but I sent it to some people and they were like this is so cool but the one, the one thing we don't know is we don't know about Wells what's mm-hmm. Wells going through like in this period mm-hmm. And I was like, what do you mean? It's this, this. And they were like, that's not in the script. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, that's how I feel. Right. Exactly. So let me take, exactly. I'm, I'm going to take my own feelings mm-hmm. and I'm going to like just change how he responds in certain scenes to, mm-hmm. to what I think mm-hmm. about, about redemption, about, you know, trying to prove yourself to people, mm-hmm. about acceptance, acceptance right. about bad reputation, like, right. like, like, like all these things that 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 that, that I grew up with, you know, <coughs> in uh, lofty expectations you can't live up yeah. to. All these things that, like, I, you know, that affected me, that affect me still. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's just gonna be in the movie. Right. Once it's in the movie, that's the draft I sent you. That's the draft that people mm-hmm. will go, oh fuck, I, because they, because they understand what someone whose life is probably like unknowable right. I was like oh he's like me he fucking feels he's shit mm-hmm. at times or mm-hmm. he can't live up to and that's where again that's the right what you know is what you want that's yeah. the right what you know like you know because like I can't necessarily write the underdog story that well I, I've done it a few times and tried it and I, and I know it's not my best thing mm-hmm. you know I so you know because there's just certain things that I'm like I don't have the inner grasp on not to say what what's he thinking? How is he going to say this? Mm. So, but I know that, and it's like, how do you just achieve the stories that you want to write? And then when you're writing these historical things, it's kind of like, 
how do you find the story? There's, you know, this thing about history that I love mm-hmm. is that is this a history repeats itself. Right. Someone has gone through some event that means that speaks to you specifically, and do you want to tell a story about that? Well, well, I was just thinking that <clears throat> the the thing that I love about writing, and out of my almost fifty scripts I have, I would say. 15 of them are probably historic stuff or bio stuff. You know what I mean? And, and, and I think the reason I'm drawn to, number one, I'm an old soul, right? Mm-hmm. Which is who I am. I, I, I tell them when I'm pitching and talking about myself, I'm going, and I'm an old soul. You know, it just so happens I like blah, blah, blah. My favorite music is blah, blah. I go there and it's all 60s, 50s, yeah. you know what I mean? So, so what I'm saying is I think that we all have different things about ourselves. I think that for me, what were you just talking about? Why not go blank just in the middle of talking about my own self all of a sudden? What oh, you about the just type of stories you want to tell, the, the, the underdog stuff and the, and the, 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 uh, the, the oh, how you choose a, a historical story that you like because you find something that's... Oh, right. So, so where I was going was the reason why I like those type of projects for me is, for example, I was telling you that Pamela and I wrote this story about the first black Buffalo soldier, female Buffalo soldier disguised herself as a man to fight with Buffalo soldiers, right? And when you research her, her time as a Buffalo soldier was actually very short. It was like maybe two years. And it turns out her time as a soldier, actually, it wasn't like she was out there shooting. She was like more just like cleaning up and picking up people's shit. She wasn't even really involved. So we did more research and went, ah, we have to have license. We have to make up some things here. Because mm-hmm. it skips over. It's like, and then in 1987, 19, in 1887, we went from 1855 to, oh, so what, what happened there? Ah, we need to create. You have to have license to, to improve on, right? And, and, and to make, so that's where I have the most fun. It's going, well, what if, right? We're still within the world. We're still within a tone. We know she has to get to that point. So how do we show all these other elements she goes through to get her there? You yeah. know what I mean? And those are the ones where I have the most fun, you know, where I light up and get really excited about how we can get from A to Z now because nobody knows how she really got from A to Z, but we're going, this is a what if, she, this is how she got to A to Z. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, see, the thing about it is, is that it's like she got to Z. Right. And that is where you got to say to yourself, every story... No one really knows the truth about like about anything, right? Not the daily shit, for sure. But yeah, but 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 even now today, mm-hmm. people don't know the truth about anything because there's two different points of view to everything. Good, at least two different points of view. Mm-hmm. And the excitement is how the excitement is coming with that stuff because right. it's like I tell people all the time, you know, like the Wells story that I wrote. I knew that story for like 15 years. Right. I didn't know that Daryl Zanuck gave him that money. Mm. To finish the movie, right. and when I and when I got that, I was like, "Oh, that's a really interesting thing because that lets me know how we got the movie made right. or how he finished the movie." Mm-hmm. But then the juicy part was, "What's that conversation? Mm-hmm. What is that conversation exactly. that he gonna have to exactly. get him the money?" And I was like, "Because he, he just he, I was like, he just can't ask him for one time. He yeah. asked up asking about it before and right. get turned down. So now he's got. I was like, yeah, yeah, I had to figure that out. And that was where like there was ex- it was like fun in writing. Yeah. I was like, oh, but see, that's be- that's where I'm going. Is 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 I think all of us had to do in our project. You had to have a license to give the moments that nobody knows anything about. You have to, and, and that's a mistake. Right. I think a lot of of 
less experienced writers make when they're when they're doing some kind of historical story right. is they get locked into the research of the actual story right. and they're they're afraid to make something up right. and it's like but you look all the super successful amazing you know films that have been based on real life events and stuff they're all incredible stories um and they're compelling and then when you add that layer and it's true mm-hmm. it just makes it oh my god but but you there's not there's not one you can from 12 years a slave on mm-hmm. i mean any any historical um movie there's stuff that the writer made up because you're again you're telling the story and it's you know if you're sitting around a campfire it's more it's cinematic. the embellishment yeah exactly, exactly. you know and it's like like you said what was that conversation like <clears throat> you know i just helped a, a writer there's a guy i know um in st louis who's writing a, a novel right now based mm-hmm. on a on a true story of this guy named charlie daniels who was the the father of of modern swimming in America and mm. like he invented the the freestyle stroke the crawl and he basically took on the Brits back in the turn of the century when they were the most dominant thing you yeah. know in America it's never swam yeah. and he and it's this compelling story and it's really about mm-hmm. this son trying to get acceptance from his father and mm-hmm. all that and I would I gave notes and I'm like in this scene you know what you need to do is you've got to have the father in the scene there and so and he's like well I don't know for sure if the father was there exactly exactly it doesn't matter exactly. in your story the father needs to be sitting right there like right. it's that kind of stuff and I think newer writers get so locked into the research you know and and the story is like oh well then this happened and like you mm-hmm. said and then it jumps to this year mm-hmm. that they and it's like no you just have to. The only thing that needs to be true is the heart of the story. Right. Yeah. yeah well, yeah, because you're not writing. A, it's not a documentary. It's not a documentary, right. and, and even documentaries kind of to like. I'm not trying to write historical. Like, it's, I'm not trying to write the facts. Yeah. Right. I'm trying to write something compelling about what happened. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's not a textbook piece. Just, yeah, and it's like. One of my favorite scenes in Amadeus. I love talking about Amadeus. Amadeus is I fucking brilliant. love that movie. Is that is the scene when Amadeus is, is he's like um, he's 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 flirting with the woman who's going to be his wife, mm-hmm. and they're and they're at the big palace and everything like that, and they're like fight they're they're chasing each other like behind like beneath tables and the food stuff like that, and he's talking to her. In where he's flipping the language, he's flipping words around. Hmm. So he's saying stuff, you know, like, you know, like he would t- take a word, say, you know, take take the word and, and say, hey, hey, I love you, mm-hmm. and he'll just flip and he'll, and he'll say it backwards. Hmm. And I was like, we don't know that that happened. Mm-hmm. That he that that's how he got his wife interested in him because he was speaking mm-hmm. to her backwards, and he says, oh, you got like big nice tits or some shit like that, but he mm-hmm. says it in reverse, yeah. so it doesn't sound dirty until, until she goes, what are you saying? And he's like, say it in reverse, and then she's like, oh, I eat my shit. It's it's yeah. it's some and, she, it's, and and then she's like, you, and it's such a great moment, right. and then it gets interrupted <clears> by their playing. He's so caught up in her that they're like. In the room with the, with the emperor, mm-hmm. they're like, "What the fuck is Mozart?" Well, fucking, let's just start playing his music anyway. And he's like, "Hold on, they're playing my music. What right. the fuck?" And he gets yeah. up and has to run out, and he's he's got to run fast, but then he can't run fast in front of the front of the because you know you know he can't. You know, the guards walking slow, so he can't. And it's just this big moment <laughs> where you're like, 
that probably didn't happen. Mm-hmm. But it's a memorable fucking scene, right. you know, and it says you so much about him as a character. Yeah, and, nobody has proof yeah, that that happened yeah. at all. And, and the thing is, right. even if it did happen, mm-hmm. let's just say that that actually did happen. We don't know, but but, but we don't know that. We mm-hmm. don't know that even if it did happen because it just. I mean, he's an imp guy. He's crazy. He loves to do these kind of games, stuff like that. It makes sense that he that that, mm-hmm. that he could do that, right. and that's what you're talking about. Like, does it make sense that this would happen? You know, yeah. that's the key. Billy Ray talks about, I mean, that amazing HBO film he did, Shattered Glass, mm-hmm. you know, and how, and he talks about how much of that dialogue in there is literally the, the, what went back and forth between Chuck Lane and, and Stephen Glass. Mm-hmm. But then he says one of the most powerful scenes in it <clears throat> where they, at the New Republic, they had that wall of all their covers right. and Chuck Lane starts pulling off all the ones that had mm-hmm. Stephen Glass stories and... You know, Stephen comes and he looks and he sees that, and he's and Billy Ray made that whole thing up, mm. but it's so powerful because mm. it goes to the theme. Chuck is, you know, ripping apart the magazine and going to rebuild it and do, you know, and Stephen Glass is seeing his life destroy. You know, right. he made all that up. That didn't happen. You know, it. and it's like that's the kind of stuff that mm-hmm. that you need. Yeah, I mean, that's the, that's the one thing that I read in bio scripts all the time. I can read a script and go. Hmm. They didn't commit. Ah, uh, good. That's you know what I mean. Way to put it. Like you didn't quite go far enough. Like you yeah. did. You did what was literal and right. not what was cinematic. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean. It yeah. is. Well, then, it's uh, like my friend. I didn't put his father in there because I don't know if he was really there. Right. Doesn't matter. Right. Yeah, it was right. also you. You can tell when people don't make the 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 subject of the piece uh, dirty. Mm. You know, it's like mm-hmm. their people are dirty. Right. Don't show me when they're not, because I, <laughs> I don't believe it. I know everyone has is, 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 is done some dirt and said the wrong thing and has betrayed people, because that's what we do as humans. Right. The thing is, is that what happens if that person who's, you know, for instance, Martin Luther King betrays his wife, mm-hmm. you know, has sex outside the marriage, how does he then solve that mistake? That's what you want to see. Well, they'll never show that. You know, that, I mean, yeah, you might not, but that's what you want to see, right. and that's what made it, and that's what makes a movie, a story that would do that interesting. Because you're like, oh shit, like he's such a great orator. How does he focus that or that you know, you know, that great speech writing ability to save his marriage? Because you know, you got to talk your way out of shit sometimes, and it's like, okay, he gonna do that because he convinced the nation to let black people be free. So you know, he's got to how does he get himself out of the doghouse? Right, right. I mean, that's there's something interesting about that because that's his character, you know, and that's like what I you know, I mean, like I love historical pieces. I love the the the. A lot about them, the pageantry, how they make them, particularly how they're made. They're so interesting. Um, and I, what bothers me is that people people come in and say, "Well, <clears> that's <throat> not real," or they got that wrong, or or, or blah blah blah. And I, and, and I was kind of like, you know what? You didn't live there then to know if they got, if that was absolutely wrong. Like like you know what mm-hmm. what people have agreed upon, but people only agree upon, you know certain positive things about about how people live right. you know like they don't like there's an interesting thing you know again we were talking about um, in the last podcast like we were talking about um, Mary Magdalene mm-hmm. you know and the guy was saying well you know like we don't know how they slept back then so mm-hmm. you know in terms of, so they had a scene mm-hmm. where um, 
you know, uh, they're all sleeping communally. They're all in the house, mm-hmm. and there's like all just there's just a bedroom where like nine or ten people are kind of all sleeping there together. Makes sense to me. And I was <laughs> like, oh yeah, because they don't have the resources to have like separate bedrooms for everybody. Right. Why? I mean, they're peasants and stuff like. It just was like, and he was like, yeah, that's kind of what we went with. But he was like, but we don't know that. We just we just thought that was a good choice, like dramatically, because because mm-hmm. there's a moment. I buy it. Yeah, because it's <laughs> it's tied up in a moment where. Where Mary's supposed to, uh, she rejects this arranged marriage, mm-hmm. and they think that she's insane. Uh, she's possessed. Mm-hmm. That you know is why. Obviously, she's like fallen, fallen into the the spell of Jesus. So be, because she's in that group thing, when her brothers and fathers decide to grab her and try to like rip her out the house, it's like a more kind of like visceral moment because because they're waking up at the same time and it just feels like a shark attack. It's just mm-hmm. okay. That's 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 interesting. You know, um, helps with 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 the cinema. I think one of the things I know I've done this and I'm I'm going to probably make a pretty good guess that you did this with with your piece too your mm-hmm. black wall street is like i in doing research for mine which was about a, a specific man at a specific time in a specific place i i was researching not just him in that place but like african-american in law enforcement all over the country during mm-hmm. that time and in in doing that research I found this little thing that took place in the 40s in Detroit, hmm. but it was so... Wait, what year was yours? Mine, mine takes place like, like 1915, 1920. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, like just right after, during right after World War I right, type. Right, right. And, but this thing I found... So they're all so, former soldiers and shit like that? And, yeah, a lot of them, yeah. yeah. And, I'm keep and No, it's... Um, but I found this thing that was so compelling, and it was thematically right on point with my story that I took it Mm -hmm. and put it into my story. So technically it's not historically accurate. It didn't happen with my guys in St. Louis, but it's, it's in there and it, it works thematically. And, you know, and if somebody, you know, if, if the movie ever got made and came out and somebody's like, that didn't happen, they wouldn't really do it. I'm like, (laughs) yeah, you're right. But you know what? It made the movie a lot better. I was in my meeting the other day with the big producer we were talking about, and she was asking me about how did I come up with the story? And I said, I was watching one of the documentaries on black wall street and it was one of the, one of the remaining um, survivors said, if you were in Greenwood in 1921, you can get, Heroin on one corner and the Holy Ghost on another. And I went, oh. So that means this was like a hip spot. This means that there was a, a red light district. Yeah. That means it was, you know what I mean? And I went, it was, a, it was a theme for me. I went, ah. It was like a aha moment. I went, oh, this could be a lot grittier than I think it could be. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It, could, it could have a jazz club and slick hair and, you know what I mean, and flimming skirts. It could be a place like that. Yeah. It doesn't have to be like, oh, sir, so hope we don't. No, I'm like, no, it's got to be better than that. Yeah. And it also made me go, okay, so when we're in the, when we're in the, <laughs> shut up, <laughs> when we're in the, um, the shoe shine parlor, the shoe shine parlor was the barbershop before the shoe shine parlor was. So that means they would be talking just like that. It mm-hmm. would be the place where everybody goes for information. It would be the gossip place. The boot it would be, yeah. you know what I mean. Yeah. So I was yep. like, so I. It made me change the tone, and I figured out, like you said, sometimes you'll you'll read across something. That's why you got to learn as you're a writer, especially if you're writing something historic or bio. Sometimes the theme is in one little thing you see. 
You know what I mean? But you have to be open to that, you yeah. know, and go, ah, that's the key to my film right there. That's the thing. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, <clears throat> you know, in some of the f- some of my favorite, you know, these historical films and stuff, there's always like a little small scene mm-hmm. that re- resonates with me the most that tells me a lot. I mean, you know, as much as I love Lawrence of Arabia and I love the vastness of that film and the way that it is, you know, the scene that always really <clears throat> means a lot to me is the scene in the beginning when mm-hmm. he's playing with the matches and he lets the match burn. He lights a match. He does this thing where he holds the match and he lets the fire burn down into his hand and it, and it just burns out and he and he, and, and he just and it, and it just and he doesn't he fl- doesn't burn he, it. He doesn't flinch. Ooh. And you know, and then he lets it happen. And then a guy in his office, he's doing this. He's like a map maker. He tries to do the same thing, and he's like. Ah! Oh, yeah. right, right. And he's like, "How you do that?" And he, he was like, "Of course it hurts." <laughs> the, the, you know, the, the thing is not minding that it hurts. Interesting. And then you go, "Oh, so this is a guy who will Mind go, over matter, who, right? who will go through a lot of pain to get what he wants." Oh, that that was at the beginning. In the very beginning, oh, of the that movie, tells you a lot about a lot about this yeah, character. Yeah, it's yeah. like the, it's, I mean, it's, it's opening scene of him. Okay. I mean, That's I mean, brilliant. I mean, he he dies in the beginning, but mm-hmm. then he flashback. It's the first thing we see him is alive, right. and you're like, "Oh, what's he gonna go through?" See, and that's how I write. Like, I have to, I can't can't write anything. I'm sitting here thinking about this while you're talking. Mm -hmm. Everything I do starts from something small like that, Mm -hmm. you know? And and I think back, go to Tony Gilroy again. I, I, you know, Michael Clayton, which is one of my favorite films of all time. And that that scene. Yeah. And, and, you know, it all started (laughs) with that scene where he's with the guy with the hit and run. And it's, and, you know, the line, I'm not a miracle worker, I'm a janitor. Mm, Yeah. That's a great line. That's the whole movie, right? That that's the guy. You know who that guy is. Yeah. And you know, and it's from something small like that, you make this big, giant, you know, epic thing. And, and I'm always looking. No matter what I'm writing, the film, TV, whatever is is that that small little moment that the, oh that's what this is about. You know, I I have to have that before I can really well, complete anything. You do because if you think about Michael Clayton <clears throat> in the movie, it's like okay, he tells me that line at the beginning. Mm-hmm. You see, you know, he's whatever he's got. He's playing poker before that. He's not, you know all these little issues. But as the movie begins to unfold, it's like yes, he's just cleaning up messes. He's got to go after Arthur Heaton's twice. Yeah, he's that's what he is. Gotta, right. and it, but it, the scale becomes larger and larger right. than just that little oh, a fender guy who hits hit and run. Um, but it, it's, it tells you. It tells you, and that's what you get on. And again, that's again what uh, makes the story work for everybody. Because you can watch it and you can understand that. You know, if it was... I mean, like you get to the center of who someone is and then, because that, that's kind of what, you know, people always say this line, you know, like um, um, when they're dying or things like that, they say, and so you never know anybody, you know, you don't, you don't know them, like people you've lived with forever. There's okay. always this thing. And it's like, but, th- but, but we're searching for that knowledge mm-hmm. and we meet people and we want to know as much as possible about them because mm-hmm. we don't want them to be wild off and we want to be able to understand what they're doing. And that's when you see these little moments in the movies and stuff, it like crystallizes so we can like understand them. And that, and that's, and we feel a bit of comfort at that point. Let me, like, oh, I know how this person is. That's what makes got, great writing though yeah. is, is. When you're not writing, you know, 
somebody, here's how I feel. Mm-hmm. You know, this is this is what I am. Exactly. This is like I'm exactly. I'm very unhappy with you because of my father, what he did to me. You know, O-T-N? when T N, yeah, right, O T N, baby. <clears throat> and but you you do that. You have little things like that. The scene with the match, you know, and you know right away who that guy. You know, one of the uh, the very first things I learned when I when I came one of my early jobs as a writer, I was on the show Felicity mm-hmm. and J.J. Abrams, and it was before he was J.J. Abrams. Uh, he's and, still J.J. Yeah. But, but, yeah. <laughs> just then know. he was just like, cool guy J.J. <laughs> exactly. He wasn't multi, you know, exactly. multinational corporation J.J. He wasn't uh, a deity. That's all I Right, exactly. <laughs> and, uh, and, and he was explaining to me, I had written a scene that was, that was too on the nose and too talky, you know, and he explained this thing to me, and I never have never forgotten this. And this was in 1999, probably, when mm. I was on that show. And it was I was such a new young writer, didn't know what the hell I was doing. And JJ mm. goes, "Look, here's here's the difference between you know great writing and, and not great writing." And yeah. he goes, "If you have two two guys sitting in a bar, and one of them's talking about you know I I I, I love my wife, but I'm thinking about you know." doing something with some other women or I see other women and I think about having affairs and stuff and you can have that conversation he goes or you have the same two guys walk sitting in the bar and a woman walks past and you just see the guy with the wedding ring lean back and check out her ass mm-hmm. and I was like oh like that at yeah. that point in my life and who mm-hmm. I was and as a writer that was such a mind-blowing epiphany mm. You know, that like, oh, you know, like show, don't tell. And there's all mm-hmm. that stuff. But it goes to those little tiny things where you can, you know. It was a visual cue. It's the yeah, yeah. It's the behavior. Right. Behavior. Right. behavior is so more, right. much more interesting than backstory. Right. Yeah. right. Well, because that's the thing I tell people. I was, I was, I was telling this to uh, Malcolm Spellman one time. You know, like mm-hmm. directing, it's like your whole job is to like take psychology and figure out the behavior. Like mm. That's what your trick is, and it's like, but that's we're talking about stuff that you learn about writing that's not from writing, like the stuff you learn from acting about that, you know, yeah. the Meisner method. Like that's the thing I learned a lot from directing. It's like, oh, you know, what can they do physically? Right. Because that is like, because that's what I'm going to show you, you know. And like you said, like the, you know, if the woman walks by, got the nice ass, and that guy leans back, and the camera kind of like like changes his point of view and goes low on it, you know, that's telling you way more than anything, you yeah. Know? You're like, oh, okay, I'm in. Oh, she does have a nice ass. Damn. You know? <laughs> yeah. There was a writing when I, I'm tall. Like, okay. There was a, I taught a semester of screenwriting in St. Louis a few years ago. It's mm-hmm. a long story how I ended up doing that. But, but I taught, and one of the things I did, which was a really, turned out to be a really cool exercise um, and really got through, I think, on a different level to a lot of kids, is I, I we took a line, and, and I don't remember what it was, but it was something like, you know, there's a there's a male and female character in, in a room or something, mm-hmm. and she says, um, "I have to go visit my mother." That's the line. And I said, "Write that line mm-hmm. like her mother's dying." And it's actually an acting exercise, but it turns into this writing thing. Write that line with the subtext being her mother's dying. Now write the exact same line being. I'm having an affair. Mm. Now write that exact same line and it, you're saying I hate you. Mm. You know, now write that exact same line but you're saying I love you. Cute. It's like, you know. It's a good practice. Yeah, good and, practice. and it's like, it's, it, <clears throat> you know, originally I, I learned it from that, that acting class mm-hmm. thing I did but it, it's such a cool thing for a writer to start thinking about and going, oh, wait, 
you know, it helps you with the OTN, the on-the-nose stuff. Mm-hmm. That's good. I was just going to say, sorry, I got to keep it so short. Pamela just reminded me we have a conference call. I forgot at two fifteen. I totally forgot. Okay, um, so I was thinking about so all of us do TV and film. With TV, what type of elements are you looking for in your bio or historic scripts that can keep keep your like? What are you doing differently other from your regular pilots, let's call it, than your historic TV shows? You know what I mean? Are you doing anything? Is it still the same world building? Is it is it a little bit different for you? Like, what are you, what are you looking for? Um, or what should writers be looking for for you? I, I think it's the same. Am I asking the right question? For what we, yeah. Okay. But I, I think the answer is very similar to what we've been talking about with a with a feature story and stuff. Because you know, my my story was has been a, was a TV show, and right. now it's being a feature. That, and all that's that. what made me think about. It. Yeah, and. And like one of the things I, I did for the TV series part, and this is what screwed me up for so long with the features, because I kept trying to fit this in right. to my two-hour feature when I finally realized <laughs> that's a TV show thing. That's right. for 10 episodes. Right. That's not for two hours. And it was, you know, this, this character, this, this African-American cop did all these amazing things. Mm-hmm. Well, at the same time, in that city during that time, was this sort of Al Capone type character that was kind of running the underworld of St. Louis. I have no research knowledge, historical knowledge that that they ever crossed paths. Mm. But for the TV series, they were the two. It was, it was, you know, it was Costner and De Niro in Untouchables. It was, it was that chase, which, so I could play that out over multiple episodes. There's that, that goal, that, that journey Mm -hmm. that's going on in a TV series. And I've had to punt that for the feature version. And the reason it took me so long before I could, wrap my head around writing this feature version mm-hmm. is I kept trying I was so immersed in the in the 10 hours of television I kept trying to like how do I make that into a two hour story right. and it, I finally went back to something and realized they're two different stories I'm telling it's about the same guy in right. the same place at the same time but it's a different story right. the movie and you helped me with this too some Chris a lot in talking to you about it is there's a there's a TV series version of the story, mm-hmm. and there's a movie version. And so to, to answer your question, like I had to create stuff for the TV series that can play out episode to episode, and one thing lead to another. Whereas you're you're so compartmentalized in a feature, mm-hmm. that whole particular storyline, which was driving the first season of my TV series, mm. is now. 25% of the movie Right See, It's interesting you say that Because you know we were, I talked back and forth And I was I was saying I referenced <clears> to him one time um, LA Confidential mm-hmm. This is one of my favorite movies But it's one of my favorite books And the book is so Insane mm. And it's like The story of the movie Is like Is not It's like a carve out of the book like it's me it's like he had to, he had, he had to like really kind of like whittle away at a lot of really dope shit in the novel to find that story in this in the it's movie it's like he took four pages of this chapter yeah, two, two pages, pages of that chapter, chapter and seven like, pages is this why he's looking you're like why the fuck did he do this um but 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 even then that's a very like very the the, the plotting of that movie is insane mm-hmm. but you realize that it's like it's still all one story 
You know, it's a, there's a lot of different things going on. There's this great moment in the movie <clears> with the Night Owl Massacre, which feels like it's a, this is the, we're going to do this, and then it all of a sudden gets turned around, and you're like, whoa, and, it's, and then the story flips again, and you're like, wait a minute, what was this really, what was this really about? Mm. You know, and it's a great mystery that is really tricky to pull off. That kind of, like multi-prong mystery right. all these misdirects to get you somewhere but that's the thing about when you're writing a television show as opposed to movies that you gotta kinda like get that thing that hones in I mean it, and I like having you have to slow it down you gotta slow it down yeah, yeah cause, for sure cause yeah. in the movie the thing that, that they do so well in like in Only Confidential and I wish someone would get the rights to those those three those those Elroy books Big Nowhere and, and Confidential and White Jazz and make a big long like HBO show out of them is that when you meet Bud <laughs> White when you meet uh, like Edmund Exley and when you meet uh, uh, Jack Van Zandt mm-hmm. these little flashes of who they are real quick like oh this is Bud White he does that he beats that guy up who beats up beats up women this guy's this way and it's the kind of thing that feels like a TV intro in a sense, but he did in real these like these almost flash frames from a you know from a, from a Ouija photographer mm. in Nelly Confidential. But in a movie, you could I mean a TV show, you could spend a lot of time and figure yeah. out, see who they are because you want to be able to go. Do I want to follow these people mm-hmm. in a show mm-hmm. for that long? And when shows go too fast, you don't know they they go, they go too fast, you know. And that's when they're usually not as. That's why some of the some of the stuff they try to do that's very serialized on network mm-hmm. is bad like that because they're going too fast. Yeah, you know? definitely. I mean, I was just thinking about you know the difference between writing a movie version compared to because I also was I also pitched to her like there's another way to do this as a series for the Black Wall Street oh, right, right, Street right. Um, show too, <clears throat> and um, and she was like, oh well, you know that's interesting. I was like, but it still would all end. You know, in a way, yeah. it would be a limited series or something, but it would, you know, end there. And she was like, "Oh, yeah, that would that would be interesting too." Because what I'm finding, I'm, I'm coming up on this wall, right? Where probably four years ago, I probably wouldn't have come up on this wall, but now I'm coming up against it, which is everybody. Le- I can get in any room right now with that script, right? Mm-hmm. Literally, anytime we send it, they're like, "We want to meet them," right? But then I get in, they're like, "This is amazing." So we have this book, right? This is what's happening. And then I'm like, what about <laughs> black one? And they're like, we just don't want to deal with the blacks being killed and hung. and You know what I mean? Like in the climate we're in today. Yeah. I'm like, it's fucking what happened though. You know what I mean? If there is hope at the end and blah, 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 blah. And no matter how much you sell it, they're like stuck on that yeah. thing of what people, it is. People get stuck on one thing. Yeah. I, and so, 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 I mean, that still is where I would want to end it. And hopefully there's still the right producer out there somewhere. It's crazy what you're saying because I bet you're five or 10 years ago, they would have done it. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, five, exactly. Four, four, five, four years ago. Yeah. We could have. And now it's like, yeah. oh, we don't yeah, want to. Exactly. Because the climate we're in, yeah. Everybody's so me too. Everybody's so black. Black lives. Everybody's so mm-hmm. sensitive to every little it's thing. Interesting, it's interesting because <clears throat> that's kind of the reason why I didn't want to watch um, when they see us. Right, the I didn't a- watch it either. The AV thing, right. everything. Because I was like, you know what? I lived through when that happened. I saw an, a, an amazing and mm-hmm. very painful documentary on that a right. couple of years ago right. and that it revealed everything that really happened because you know when you live it I was like what the these kids what the fuck happened to them I was like oh they can spend life in jail right. but then you realize they didn't and then mm-hmm. but then the jail is just all fucked up and I was like I can't watch your movie right. I, I mean yeah I want to and everything like that but I'm not going to it's just I mean 
I find that thing about what people want to do and stuff like that is very, but it goes back to what I say all the time. Mm-hmm. No one wants sushi if <laughs> you're, you know, exactly. I mean, like, like exactly. if I got the greatest sushi <clears throat> coming from Nobu, right? Yeah, but I want fucking steak. They ain't gonna buy your sushi. Yeah, I don't give a fuck about it. I don't want that raw fish. Get this shit the fuck out. No, no. I want my burnt steak now. I want a bloody. That's how they want it. And it's just, it's, and you can't, you know, unless you find someone who really wants to go against the grain. And there is someone who wants to go to. Who, who, There's somebody. It's just a matter just gotta of find, you know. You know. Yeah. I mean, look, look. But, but here's what I was gonna go because we were talking about this offline. I gotta get it going in a sec. Oh yeah. The, the the here's the thing we were talking about this offline is sometimes this is my opinion and maybe it's just because. Over the years, I've written scripts several years ago that still keep getting me my little assignments that I get. Sometimes scripts are samples for you. You know what I mean? You think, I'm yeah. going to sell this script. And it's the one that got you oh. to be a showrunner. It's the one that got you to be a whatever. And it did, you never fucking sold it. that exact script. Yeah, that everyone. Why isn't this a TV show? Everybody pilot, loves it. But you know it's I mean? always been a writing right. sample that, again, got right. me in every room, right. but no one's ever made it. And, and almost every writer that I talked to who's successful... You know, I think I think Javi even talks about that there's still a script he has that he wrote way back, whatever, that is still a sample that his agents use. He wrote 10 years ago, but people still use it as yep. a sample. You know what I mean? So it's it, it doesn't ever stop. I know I know there's plenty more we could be talking about this. We'll just have to have you back again, Paul, before right. we leave and we'll just do a number. I'll part see you next two week. Or some shit. Let's come back next right. week and pick this shit up. Cool. All right. And we Sounds can good. think about some more. All cool. right. Well, thank you. all We appreciate you guys. Where you at? Paul Gill. Uh, I'm uh, back on Twitter somewhat. For now. For now. F I Z Z H O G G, Fizz Hog. Don't mm-hmm. ask me why. And then uh, my, my much more personal thing is my Instagram, which is p.geo. That's cute. Where you at, Chris? Unauthorized CBD. <clears throat> like the CBD oil. <laughs> exactly like it. On Instagram and Twitter. Right, right. It's funny. I get all these people who are like CBD oil. Uh, uh, aficionados are following me. <laughs> CBD <laughs> oil aficionados? I didn't know there were. There's just so many people. Oh, what do you sell, man? What do you sell? What kind of. You sell? I don't sell. <laughs> Where are you at, Hilliard Guest? I am at Hilliard Guest. Uh, shut up, John. <laughs> on <laughs> on uh, Twitter, at Hilliard Guest. I am uh, the TV show, the TV show, the podcast you can listen to. Screen Soon to be a TV show. On Twitter. Um, you guys, any questions? ScreenwritersRantRoom at gmail.com. Please go on iTunes, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts. Give us a five star review. We need that for the metrics. We are also check us out on our what? On our Patreon page. And you, <clears throat> so you can support the show, which we so need. And you can buy t shirts. So there'll be links at the top of the show notes. Right. I got to get me a t shirt. Right. And I'm going to give you guys a quick little blurb to my girl, Yvette Vargas's new. Uh, workshop she's doing here's the blurb it is are you a writer with dreams of joining a tv series writer's room then this is the workshops for you complete a pilot episode a pitch a pitch deck and be ready to go all workshops are held in la this summer for e- for info email the writer's room 5050 at gmail.com that's yvette vargas she's got a she's a series creator a bunch of shows coming out um in the next year so um she's actually really really looking for you know women uh white writers of diverse is what she was looking for but i'm sure she'll take whoever wants to come into the yeah. room um but she wants just a small group maybe 10 writers and stuff like that it starts like in the next sounds week or two. very cool so check that out again right the writer's room 5050 at gmail.com um what was i gonna say i was gonna say something anyway shout out to lisa lisa Bo- coat jam 
who's out there doing her thug dizzle. Um, you taking pictures? What you doing? I am. Why are you taking pictures of folks? I'm looking all crazy and shit. No, man. That's cool. <laughs> Look at me looking all crazy. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's what's up. So thank y'all. We'll do a part two next week. Cool. cool. Can you come back? Oh, you're gonna go to you're gonna go to um to uh, Comic Con. Con? Not if I'm going to be here doing a podcast. Okay, well. Just but not on Sundays. That's the worst day to go. Okay, okay, yes. cool. No, I'm cool. not going down there. No, I'll sit here with you guys. All right, that's what's up. Okay, peace, y'all. Uh, y'all know how we're doing on Rant Room, on the show We Keep It Real. We keep it opinionated. We keep it what, everybody? What? Wakanda, Wakanda forever. forever. Peace, y'all. I'm going to say what I feel. And I promise to keep it real. Welcome to the Rant Room. Well, you gotta be a rider Till your fears are diminishing The doubts are behind ya It's hard to grind And the business got me stressed In the rent room We let that shit up off our chest You know the street nerds Got no time for no caca Sass in class Yes, that's Mr. Bolakaja Never have to guess When you're listening to Hilliard He gon' bring more game Than a shark playing billiards It's all about the crap of screenwriting It's exciting when you turn an outline Into something enlightening Your pen and words Are like bullets in a gun Write what you feel Say what you want Welcome to the rent room